All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to an episode of Outdoors Podcast. It's been a while since I've published an episode of the podcast, and I can't think of anybody better to bring it back with uh, than Maddie from Beer in Beautiful Places. You may know Maddie from YouTube or from TikTok. She's had quite an explosive last couple uh, months with her channel. I know she's gained a ton of notoriety uh, with you know some of the adventures that she's been on lately, and I'm really excited for this conversation. Uh, Maddie, where are you exactly joining us from today i'm in my hometown louisville kentucky nice i love louisville i've crossed through there many times i actually went to college in indianapolis and had some friends uh from from louisville not too far away and then i've actually spent some time professionally uh in nearby lexington i know uh from the school's perspective kind of a competition between those two cities but i'm sure as kentuckians you guys all probably get along pretty well Except UK and UofL. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, Maddie, the reason that I wanted you to come on the podcast and the reason that I wanted, uh, you know, the audience to be able to kind of hear from you is I found you honestly through TikTok. That was kind of the way that I found you. And it was mainly due to uh, an adventure that you took on the John Muir Trail. And I want to get into that stuff a little bit later on. But uh, maybe let's just kick off with kind of like your background in the outdoors. How did you get into this kind of adventure? And, and we'll tell people uh, a little bit more about what makes you so interesting because, I mean, you've spent a lot of time over the last several months living in a van and traveling around the country, but let's kind of start with, you know, your background and where you came from. Sure. Well, I was really lucky to be born into an outdoorsy family. My parents met because they worked seasonal jobs at Yellowstone. And so that kind of, you know, they wanted to share the love of the outdoors with their kids. And I think that's one of the things in life I really lucked out on because we would go camping and hiking together all the time. For a while, I didn't realize that I wanted this to the outdoors to be a big part of my life. As an adult, it was just kind of um, after college. I um, well, I guess it started before college. Um, growing up at summer camps was a big part of it too, and so then I went. I was working towards a career in the summer camp industry. That didn't really work out, but um, just being outside all the time, I was like, yeah, let's keep living a lifestyle that lets me do big adventures and stuff like that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I went to a number of summer camps growing up. I was really fortunate that my parents, you know, were in a position to kind of send me to some of these places that were really cool. Uh, some of them were associated with the YMCA. There's one in Missouri that's it's at a big lodge and really, really cool. Uh, and then I got really lucky in between seventh and eighth grade. I think my parents were just kind of sick of, of dealing with me for the summer. And so they're like, let's find some really long extended camp we can send them and ship him off to. So I went to Colorado for five weeks uh, oh, yeah. in the summer between seventh and eighth grade. And we went on hiking trips and backpacking trips. We did extended horseback riding for a few days. And, you know, I got to climb some 14ers. I've got some certificates from when I was like, you know, 13, 14 years old climbing 14ers, which is pretty cool. Uh, and one of my big regrets is not going back, doing that camp more times if I could have and or being a counselor there. I think that would have just been an absolutely crazy fun way to spend either the latter part of my high school years, early part of my college years. Uh, and I could see how being involved in that for the long term would be really Really, really great. And, and I'll share this quick shout out to Sanborn Western Camps. Uh, I went to Sanborn one time. I'm 39 years old. I'm going to be 40 this July. To this day, Sanborn Western Camps still sends me a birthday card. 
every single year. I went there one time. They've sent me 20-something birthday cards. It's more reliable to get a birthday card from Sanborn than it is from my my parents. Right? Like that's how consistent they are. And so for any of you parents out there that are thinking about a, a camp to send your kids to, check out Sanborn Western Camps. They're pretty pretty badass place. Um, so you you were thinking about a career in you know the the summer camp kind of world that didn't that didn't end up panning out so then kind of where did it lead from there so I guess what led me to a life um, lived in the outdoors as an adult was just working my way up I went to like one time in college I went on a like backpacking trip my college was putting on on the AT and then after college I got some jobs that were like outdoor education or working at outdoorsy resorts and with those I I just built up and built up and built up and I've always had a curiosity um, about the world so I don't really I don't want to just do outdoor stuff around where I live I wanted to want to see as much as possible so Um, I've got some international traveling and then in 2020 where that wasn't really feasible to travel international, I was like, okay, what's the next thing? So that kind of led into the idea of living in a van. It's something I'd heard of and was interested in. And, um, plus in 2020, like all sorts of like, it seemed like van life got really popular as a idea so that kind of coincided really well with you know getting information and learning how to do it myself yeah so what what i think has really fascinated me about your story is that you know, and for those that that maybe are just stumbling into this episode, or maybe you know you're finding this episode through Maddie, and you don't know about about my life. Uh, my wife and I essentially acquired an old RV. Our, we have a 1993 Fleetwood Bounder. It's 30 feet long. Uh, it's it's what they call a Class A. So you drive it at the front, right? And it's just a big flat panel of glass. Um, and we basically got it some, from some friends of ours that had started this project and then moved unexpectedly to the other side of the country and didn't take the RV with them, and it became this big hassle. So we kind of took it off their hands. And it was gutted when we started it, and we really kind of have turned it into what we think is a really comfortable, livable, you know, and in many ways beautiful home. And it took us five years. Like we thought we were going to leave right as COVID was hitting, and then obviously when everything shut down, that prevented that from happening. And so we just kept putting more time and more effort and more finishes into the RV. We painted the outside of it. We did this whole project. What I'm really, what I really like about your story is that although you did some build out to your van, there wasn't this massive project I wouldn't imagine before you were just like, Hey, I'm hitting the road. I'm going to get out of here. And I think a lot of people get paralyzed by, I have to have like, you know, a hundred thousand dollar sprinter with, you know, all of this fancy equipment and this really elaborate electrical system and all of this equipment and gear. And I think you really prove like, Hey, if you want to go an adventure you can do it. Like there's, you know, you can take a pretty simple frame, put some basic building, you know, blocks in it and then go. So tell me a little bit about kind of where the van came from and your build out process and and then what led to you actually taking off. 
Well, um, I guess it must have been late fall or early winter of 20, uh, yeah, 2020. I was just researching all I could, what are the best vehicles to live in? Because I was thinking um, a big van like you see, Sprinter vans and all that. Um, that's what I was thinking at first. But then I was like, okay, realistically, if I was to get that, that'd be really hard to afford plus affording the build and gas every time. So I was like, okay, what else is there? I really looked into buying an SUV for a long time, but eventually I settled on the minivan because it's much more space. And um, this Toyota Sienna is all-wheel drive, and I was like, okay, it's not, not going to look good from the outside, but it's like something – something really dependable and not as much space as a sprinter but enough space for me so that was perfect and then I told people in my life what I was gonna do and I didn't really know anyone that was a builder it could help me I found a friend on YouTube um, Marshall from Mellow Nomadic Adventures that um also lived in Louisville, so I got some ideas from him, and then one day we ended up hanging out in a public space and working on my van together, and then after, you know, we started building the floor, I got my dad and my brother to help me um, build stuff. Uh, my uncle even came over and helped, so even my dad's friend, so it really, I started thinking I was going to build it all by myself, but once the process got underway, people offered to help me. So that was really cool to see it all come together with, with people that I knew. Yeah. And, and I don't know about you, but I mean, you know, there's this, uh, culture around the world that social media is this really toxic, terrible place. And that, you know, it's basically just this giant place where everybody's competing with each other. And that can certainly be true. And I don't want to discount that and, you know, anybody's experience, but for me, it's been this really kind of, uh, open, really inclusive place where I've had a lot of really great people kind of enter my life and offer their support and, and encourage me to continue to either put out content or continue to learn the skills. People have always jumped in and helped me learn stuff, whether it's with cameras or whether it's building things on the RV. Friends have come over and helped us work on our generator, stuff like that. So I, for me, you know, I've been really lucky. Maybe it's, you know, good karma or something, but it, it seems like I get a lot of really, you know, positive people coming into my world through social. Yeah, definitely. Same here. I, uh, I was about to say I grew up thinking, but really just as social media was starting, I was thinking like, this is something I don't want to be a part of people being fake and kind of obnoxious sometimes. But um, in 2020, that was um, kind of a hobby of mine because I had Beer and Beautiful Places and the Instagram account. And I like, really tried hard on taking better quality pictures using better strategy to grow and that even though I wasn't expecting like I don't even know what I went in expecting but I felt like I was really connecting with people that was talking about like oh I've had that beer oh like great shot and it was just so fun to make friends in a place you wouldn't expect to 
Yeah. And I've also found it been, it's been really interesting because I don't fancy myself like a creative person. I can't draw. I don't sing. I'm not very musical. There's just lots of things from a creative standpoint I've never been great at. You know, I'm, I'm not a particularly strong writer. I've always been a, a fairly uh, adept speaker, but beyond that, you know, kind of creatively, it's never really been my skill set. And it's always really interesting to kind of meet other creators and, figure out what their tactic is in, you know, how they're trying to grow or what they're using. And, you know, a, a good friend of mine, Dan from DC Outdoors, I'll, I'll kind of give a quick shout out to Dan. Um, you know, he's a, a fellow YouTuber. And one of the things that he was talking about recently, he was like, you know, I'd really like to get my watch per view up because, you know, I think a lot of people are just coming in, seeing a quick clip and then maybe they're leaving or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so he made a fireplace video over the holiday and put it out and was like, well, people will just put that on in the background and that's just going to rack up like, you know, hour long views and that'll help my, you know, my statistics. And I was like, oh my God, what a smart idea that is. I never (laughs) thought of something like that. Um, you know, or on the converse side is like, Hey, I'm really trying to focus on the first 30 seconds of my video and really pack it full of really interesting, you know, kind of draw them into the longer part of the video type stuff, uh, which I'm, I'm terrible at doing. So I'm always trying to kind of figure out best practices from whatever everybody else is doing. So when you decided that you wanted to kind of take this tour of the lower 48, how did you go about the planning process? Cause I know for, for Sarah, and I, my wife and I, one of the things that we did that I thought was really smart when we left on our our kind of big westward adventure, and, you know, we've been on the road for about six months now, uh, we literally put a big giant like Rand McNally map down on our kitchen table or our dining room table, and we took Cheerios and just like dropped a Cheerio everywhere that we might want to go. And then it kind of started to give us this picture of like, all right, we got to kind of go, you know, in this general direction. And if we dip down over here, we could get that and then we could go over there. And then we just kind of started to draw a line of like, okay, we could take this road over here and there. And then it just kind of gave us an outline. So when you were doing your planning process, how did you go about that and what kind of determined your course? Well, it was a lot of daydreaming. I was working at a manufacturing plant at the time, so I had a lot of time where I was just thinking, thinking, thinking. And it was so fun to be like, well, I want to start in the late spring, and that'll go into the summer, so let's go north. Um, So get that out of the way before winter. And then fall in New England is nice, so I hear. And it really was. That held up. And then I was going south in the winter, So the first, the eastern part of the country was um, pretty easy. And then I really didn't have the west planned out until after I'd finished Florida, which was my 25th state. And so then in the west, I just sat down and looked at the map and kind of was like, how can I go to these states in the most efficient way and hopefully when they have the best weather. And it was sort of a zigzag up with a little loop in the end, um, ending in uh, Wyoming. And it was really nice to, um, you know, I hadn't been to the Pacific Northwest before, so that was kind of towards the end of the trip. So I always had something to look forward to. And California is one of my favorite states. That was towards the end. And it was just, it ended up working really well. 
Yeah, yeah. I think one of the things that we've really enjoyed about our trip is that you see, you know, if you're not just kind of going like, all right, we're going to fly to Portland, spend a week in Portland, explore the town and then, you know, fly home. You really miss a lot of the really great connective tissue that exists between, you know, the bigger cities or maybe even some of the attractions that you would normally go to that gets completely missed by like 99% of the population of our country because they just never have the time to go to those places to stop in the little towns uh, and to see the rivers and the mountains and the valleys and the things that kind of connect those places. It Was it was that your experience in doing a lot of the traveling is it's the stuff in between that's kind of the, the reward? Yeah, definitely. And a few times I got really, really lucky because I would just happen to be in a place where there was a parade happening or I would be driving down the street and see a little craft fair or something and be like, oh, I have time to stop for this. Perfect. And that was a really unexpected, wonderful surprise to just happen upon little things like that. Yeah, we we had exactly one of those and probably my most memorable experience from this six month trip so far. Um, you know, you mentioned that your parents met working seasonal jobs in Yellowstone, which is uh, Yellowstone is a really cool place. We really fell in love with the Grand Tetons just south mm-hmm. of, of Yellowstone. It's such a under talked about national gem that we have and way, way less visited than Yellowstone. So there's just way less people. Um, and we were in the Tetons and one night we were looking through this paper that's put together. I think it's like quarterly by a little tiny nonprofit that just love the Tetons. And it's like, Hey, here's everything going on in the park. I don't even, I don't think the park actually puts this paper together. And it said like, Hey, there's this little summer music series being put on by this science school that takes place in Teton national park. Um, and so it just happened to be like one of the nights that we were visiting. And so we grabbed some lawn chairs and we ended up on the front step of this little ranch called Murray Ranch. And, you know, that that is the meeting place for a lot of the early legislation that have had a big part to do with the preservation of natural lands in the United States. So it's like a really historic place in, you know, conservation. And this unbelievable singer, and God, his name will come to me in a second, Isaac Hayden, Hayden Isaac, one or the other, I can't remember which one, uh, singer-songwriter from Wyoming, roots in the state, has gone and written songs in Nashville for a decade and come back. And he just did this great little kind of folksy Americana hour and a half long playlist and the weather was just right. The sky was, I mean, the sun was setting. And I remembered looking at Sarah a couple of times and just going like, is this like, are we in a painting? Is this (laughs) really, I mean, it was so incredibly beautiful. The quality of the audio was incredible. They just nailed it. And it really sunk in as like, there's no chance we would have ever experienced this if we were like staying in a lodge, just trying to get dinner, all those kinds of things. The fact that we were there for a week and just being able to kind of relax, got to experience those little things. I couldn't agree with you more. That's the best stuff. Mm-hmm. Were there states along the way or places along the way that really kind of surprised you that you didn't, you know, expect to be either as beautiful or as welcoming, you know, some of those places? Yeah. Um, South Carolina is the first one that comes to mind because, um, I don't know, when you think about places that are known for their outdoor rugged beauty, you think out west, but in South Carolina, it was warm, first of all, and it was winter, so that was like 
a miracle to be warm again. And I loved the live oak trees and the moss hanging down. I just thought that was such an otherworldly sight. And I um, went to the beach a lot, got to see the sunrise over the ocean, and it was just such a good time. And I wasn't expecting that. I was also really blown away by the hike I did in Arkansas. That was basically walking up a river and there were as further you got back, there were some kind of stone walls on either side of the river. You know, it was a gorge. So that was one of the highlights of the year was that trail. And I was not expecting that from Arkansas, you know? I can say, honestly, I've spent almost no time in Arkansas whatsoever, but I do feel like from what I've read and seen, it's one of the kind of hidden gems of the lower 48 that a lot of people don't think about when it comes to outdoor beauty. I think there's a lot more in Arkansas. I'm from a fly fishing perspective. uh, The White River on the north side of Arkansas is, I mean, one of the more sought after fly fishing destinations in our country. It's just absolutely incredible. So uh, it doesn't surprise me that there were some, you know, kind of really special places that grabbed your attention while you were there. Um, You know, I'm really interested. It sounds like you'd done some backpacking, but uh, how experienced of a backpacker would you say you were leading into this John Muir Trail? Because I think for a lot of people, myself included, and I am not a, a really experienced backpacker. I have not done any through hikes. I've done no bigger, longer trips. So you're way further along the, the journey than I am. Uh, but the JMT, the John Muir Trail is no joke. I mean, that is a big undertaking. So uh, is that something that you felt like you were leading up to? Or is that something kind of one of those things where you're just like, hey, <laughs> I'm here, let's go for it. How did that all come together? Maybe a little of both. I um, just... Wanted to go on a through hike a few years ago, and a hiking buddy I had at the time suggested the JMT, but we couldn't get the permits, so we did the Tahoe Rim Trail, which was um, shorter in length, less um, crazy elevation, but still similar scenery, and... um, That was really cool, but then I wanted to try to do one by myself, so I did the Superior Hiking Trail in Minnesota. So with those two under my belt, I felt pretty prepared, but the JMT was still such a physical challenge, especially because I had been sick a few weeks before, and I still really hadn't gotten back in shape from, you know, because I used to just be sitting on the couch all day. Um, So... It really kicked my butt, especially the first few days. And um, I never really got to a place where I felt like I was, I don't know. Every day was a challenge, in other words. I never really felt like I mastered or fell into a rhythm of the trail. It was just like, I'm going to go as far as I can today and I'll be happy with what I can do. Yeah. And I mean, I definitely got to kind of experience that along with you as you were making such regular posts throughout the journey, which I thought was such a cool way of doing it. You know, you you really captured media 
in a number of different ways, right? Because when you got back, you posted, I want to say it was kind of a few day chunks at a time on YouTube, yeah. right? You kind of chunked it out in a few day chunks. Yeah. Obviously, you know, the documentary had some pieces kind of, of, of what was going on there as well. But you were really kind of sharing what maybe a, a one to two minute chunk on TikTok every day, kind of a summary of what was happening, uh, you know, and for those of us that were following along with you, literally, we were just all sitting there going like, God, can she just catch a break today? Like, I just really <laughs> want to see her have a great day on the trail. And it wasn't like you were whining, you weren't complaining. The, the, all of it was justified because we could tell like these little things that were happening throughout the day, whether it's you just couldn't get dry or you wouldn't get your mileage early on enough in the day to get to camp before the rain started settling in. You know, your water bottle, I think it was. That, what was it that washed down the river on you? It was a, a it dirty was water, water bag, water right? Bottle. My water bottle with the water filter on top of it fell out of my backpack and it was in a pocket that I had never had a problem with that before, but I just tripped and the forward momentum just got it out of that pocket and went down the river. And I remember watching it and being like, okay, it's going to get caught against a rock or something and I'm going to go around and get it. But it never did. It went over a waterfall and I never saw it again. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, those are some of the things that, you know, I kind of started to, I, I've been a hammock camper for quite some time now mm -hmm. and I'm just now getting back into tent camping. We literally just got a tent today. It just arrived in the mail. I'm really pumped to go try it out. Although it just started sprinkling and raining, although maybe that's a good time to, to test out a, a, a tent. Um, and, you know, I'm always kind of thinking about gear pretty actively, right? And I started to think like, oh, I don't keep a patch kit for a air pad in my backpacking gear at all because I haven't used a sleeping pad in a long time. And I just like got a sleeping pad, threw it in my bag. All right, cool. That's solved. But then I started to think like, oh, I actually have to get a patch kit and keep that with me because that's a whole thing when you're sleeping on a, an air pad. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. as a gear person, is that something that you're really kind of focused on thinking about? Or is it just like, hey, I, I want something that does the job. I'll worry about it when it doesn't. How, what's your mentality towards gear? Because it didn't really seem like it, you're someone that's fixated on it, always looking for like the newest, coolest, shiniest thing. But it also doesn't seem like you're out there with, you know, not to bag on Ozark Trail, but like, you know, you're not out there with a Walmart tent. You're not out there, you know, in, in you know, an everyday pair of shoes. So kind of tell me your, your mentality towards gear a little bit. Well, I'm definitely not someone that really takes it up as a hobby because I'm kind of on a strict budget in life that I'm, I don't know. I guess I started out with kind of bare minimum gear and then every big hike I've done is just, okay, what really do I need to spend my money on? Some of my more recent upgrades have been getting a new tent and a new backpack. Um, I've always had good shoes though. Cause I feel like that's the one thing where like, if you're if you got bad shoes, every minute of every day is probably going to be bad. And I know but, that you're you went with the the ultra Lone Peak something waterproof boot, right? And mm -hmm. I've had a pair of those. Mine tore right away. I did not feel like they were great in cold weather. I mean, I don't think they're designed for it. So no, no, you know fault to ultra. But when I tore mine, it was like right on the outside 
of my left shoe and it was right around kind of the ball of my left foot. And there was really no logical way to repair it. I went, talked to my outdoor outfitter in the area. We looked at all kinds of different tape and silicone, but like the material that they were made from, nothing grabs it. So Mm -hmm. I couldn't really patch it in any way. And those things basically just sat in a closet and then never got used again. I know yours didn't work out for you. I don't know whether it was the fault of the shoe or it just wasn't the right fit. What are you planning on doing moving forward with your future hikes footwear-wise? I don't know. I've been thinking about that a lot lately because on one hand, I've had two pairs of ultras that were waterproof. And now I'm, especially because it rained so much on the the JMT, I was like, um, my feet were always wet because water would seep inside them. So now I'm thinking, what if I get, instead of shoes that are designed to keep water out shoes that are designed to maybe a little water in, but it's going to dry quickly. And I just don't know because the AT, there might be snow, um, in the beginning, at least beginning and end. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> Good question. So, so one person that I would check out if you don't already follow, uh, there's his name. He goes by Frozen as uh, his trail name from Outdoor Adventures. I don't know if you follow that dude on YouTube. Um, he's done quite a bit on footwear for him. He did the AT last year, the year before, um, and has a whole series slash documentary on it. Um, but he's like a gear dork. And I think he's more of a La Sportiva Wildcat type dude, if memory serves me correctly, footwear wise. Um, But really has gone into some length of like, I used this footwear for this part of the trail. I used this shoe and then that one wore out and I used this shoe. So uh, maybe check him out. I I know he's, he's, you know, put out some content. I'm currently wearing the Ultra Temp 4s. Um, I think they just came out with like maybe the five, if, if memory serves me correctly, maybe the the new Lone Peaks just came out. Um, it's a slightly narrower shoe than the Lone Peaks. So they're, they still have a wider foot box, but it's not as wide, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. and I really, really liked them. And to your point, the entire side of the shoe is like a borderline see-through mesh. If I could grab them, I would. Um, Sarah, will you do me a favor? Will you reach into my closet and grab my tennis shoe for me real quick? Hold on one second should be right there yeah yeah so that's them and as you can see there's literally like ports on the side for water to come out of and the whole side of it i don't know if you can like see my fingers through there but it's like a very thin you can kind of see through them on the inside yeah there you go yeah Uh, they're the temp four t-i-m-p Nice. And and then same thing on the bottom, there's literally holes for the water to drain out of. That's so smart. And then if you take out the insole on the inside, you can kind of see there's like holes up in there for those to that water to come out of. Nice. So something to think about. I've, I've always been like a waterproof shoe boot kind of person. And I'm just tired of like taking shoes off at water crossings and, you know, dealing with that whole thing. So I, everybody says like, just get trail hikers and get your feet wet. They'll dry out, deal with it. I guess I'm finally just kind of caving to it. Cause it seems like everybody that's a lot more experienced than me kind of goes that route. So, mm-hmm. you know, 
to all the hikers out there, like do you do whatever is comfortable for you. If you want to wear like 87 pound boots on your feet and that's your thing, get after it. Like if you want to wear, you know, whatever you wear, that's all you, um, you know, when it comes to gear that you think really, really did work out well for you, stuff that you really felt like, Hey, this was a no brainer. This one was kind of those, those star pieces that you brought, what stuff worked out really, really well for you. I'm a real big fan of my cook set. Um, it's by GSI and all the pieces just fold together so nicely. And that I always feel really excited to use because I'm like, oh, everything just, you know, it's satisfying to see things yeah. that perfectly fit together. And I really like my tent too. Um, it's REI co-op brand. I think it's called Flash Air One. But especially on my videos where um, I said there was condensation in my tent, people were like, maybe you need to get a new tent. And I was like, it was just because it was so rainy. And I think everyone had condensation in their tent. But with that one, I think it's so light. Um, And I've been in rain so many times with it, and it's never once let rain in. And I'm just so excited because of that. So excited to have that ability to carry something that's not that heavy, but still it'll protect you. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, having a structure or a shelter that you're really confident in. Uh, anybody that's listened to this podcast has heard me reference the three wise men probably about a hundred times. Um, but I did a backpacking trip with a buddy of mine a number of years ago, and we brought, I mean, the kitchen sink, we brought everything you could possibly bring. We literally had a tent and then we put a tarp over the top of the tent. I don't know why. Um, and we uh, see these these three older guys all walked into our camp kind of late at night, set up all their stuff. We started chatting with them and they were three um, RV or not RV. Um, uh, they were x-ray slash MRI repair guys. And that's how they knew each other. They all worked together in the x-ray slash MRI repair industry. And over like 10 years, they had all backpacked like 350 miles of the AT together and they'd done it section hiked, right? So every year they do like 50 to 70 70 miles and then they pick up the year after wherever they left off. And over the course of 20 or so years, they're going to do the whole AT together. It's really cool. And these guys really knew what they were doing. I mean, it was, everything was very routine. They just really kind of had it all down. And I asked them, I was like, Hey, you know, looking at my stuff, is there stuff that we should have that we don't, or is there stuff that we do have that we shouldn't? And they didn't even look in my direction. They were just like, dude, it's three things. You need a shelter, you need a way to make water and you need a way to cook. Everything else beyond that is a personal decision, frivolous item. And he goes, and let me prove it to you. He goes, let me see your flashlight. And I bring out my headlight and then my little, you know, backup flashlight. And he goes into his shirt and he pulls out this little pendant, one LED bulb squeeze light on a necklace and goes beep and like shines it. And he goes down at the ground and he, you know, you can see the basics and he goes, I don't really ever find myself needing more than this. He goes, I don't night hike. I don't, you know, I I do most of my stuff. And I was like, valid. And he goes, so everything beyond those three things, like you really want a shelter you love and a way to sleep that you love. You really want a way to make water consistently that you're happy with. And you really want to have a cook set that Mm -hmm. nests and does whatever you want it to do. Everything else 
and I since then I've been like, all right, I'm going to really put a preference or or a, a priority on making sure that those three things are like really what I want them to be. And so when we bought this tent, we ended up just with uh, one of the Durston X Mid two person uh, trekking pole tents, and it's a, a two piece tent. So in you know fly and, and internal, and I did so much research and just bang my head against a wall weighing every single option to make sure it was what we were going to want because the shelter is such an important part of it. Um, so going into planning, because I know kind of the next step in your journey, you've completed this huge project going through the lower 48, traveling around in your van. Now you're kind of back home for a little while. I know kind of the next step in the process is you've announced on you know TikTok and YouTube is you intend to do the Appalachian Trail, as we've kind of chatted a little bit about. Yeah. Uh, what led you to the a decision that you wanted to do the AT? Well, of all the major three really big through hikes in the U.S., that one has always stood out to me because I'm from Kentucky, so you know you hear – like if people are going backpacking on the Appalachian Trail, you know, um, it's not, it doesn't go through Kentucky, but it goes through Virginia and stuff. So it's not too far away, a little bit more accessible. And like when, um, when I was little, we were on a family vacation and we stopped there. We did Klingman's Dome actually. So that's kind of a fun memory of that iconic AT spot. And then after my like, Tahoe Rim Trail, Superior Hiking Trail, and John Muir Trail, I was like, well, I'm okay with doing a few hundred miles. What if I just, you know, take some months and do a big one? I think that'd be a really cool experience. And so the AT was the one I chose. That's cool. And what was it about the AT? I mean, other than obviously having a positive experience in Klingman's Dome, comparing mm-hmm. that to the PCT or the Continental Divide or some of the other, you know, big, big trails, what was it, you know, other than Klingman's that kind of attracted you to the AT? Well, just the personal connection to it, having, having memories, hearing about it. And, um, you know, the other trails sound really pretty, but this is a trail that it's more close to my heart. So it's just, um, personal connection to it. And also I hear that, um, there's more trail magic because there's more, um, like small towns around there and because it's older people have like grown up with the idea of there's a trail that comes through this town so they're a little more used to the idea i guess and yeah just all those things do you have a trail name that you plan on taking into the at or is that something that you plan on letting develop over the course of the hike not really. On the JMT, I got the names Mishap and Lucky because of all those things that went wrong. But somehow I got lucky and, you know, I was okay without them. And I don't know. That, uh, because it, was, it wasn't a big long through hike, I'm kind of wanting to get a new trail name on the AT. Maybe if, if no one can think of anything, I'll go back to Lucky. But... I want to see what the AT throws my way. I like that. And are you the kind of person that's thinking that you're going to really try to attempt the vast majority of the trip 
solo? Are you kind of hoping to, you know, as so many folks will call a tramily, right? You end up finding that group of, of people that really kind of match your your vibe and, and your energy on the trail and then maybe end up, you know, doing a good chunk of, of the trip together. What is your, your hope for the trail? I guess it really depends on if I meet people and we really mesh together, then I'll be happy to go with them. But at the same time, if it's hard to find people that want to go my speed or if sometimes I notice when I'm hiking by myself, sometimes I go only a few miles a day. Sometimes I go a lot of miles a day. So it might be hard matching that with a group of people. But at the same time, if I do find a group that I really go well with, like that would be amazing. I don't mind solo traveling, but I do miss like sharing experience with people, you know, like sitting around a campfire by yourself is cool. It's peaceful, but with you're with people and you're having a good conversation and it's just, you know, that's more of what I'm hoping to find from the AT. That being said, if I don't find that and it's a solo trip, I'll be okay with that too. Yeah, it's been an interesting uh, endeavor for us while I've been on the road. And it's finding that balance that works for you because I'm a really social person. I mean, I, I think I came out of the womb and just was like, Doc, nurse, how are you? How's everybody doing? What's going on? Right. Um, and I think it was just kind of the way that I'm wired. However, I do enjoy getting, you know, time to myself. And especially it's one of the big reasons that I do love backpacking and going on canoe trips, being away from, you know, cell phone service and getting off of social media and just maybe having a smaller group of people that you can really have those personalized kind of more authentic conversations with matters a lot to me. Uh, being on the road has been both really rewarding from an adventure standpoint, but it can also be pretty lonely, right? I mean, I'm with my wife 24 seven and I, we, we truly love each other. Like we figured out pretty quick, like, yeah, this is going to work. Like we can figure this out. Um, but you know, when you go to dinner and you say, Hey, how was your day? You already know how their day was. Cause you were eight feet away from them the whole day. <laughs> Uh, so after about two weeks, you kind of run out of stuff to talk about. Uh, and then it's just, you know, you're looking for some other friends to kind of talk to and when you're out on the road, it's maybe not as easy to find them. Um, so I'm always interested in kind of people, how, how people find that balance. Um, you know, and one of the things that I've noticed, at least in watching, you know, YouTube, and this is one of the things that I love about YouTube is you kind of get to vicariously live through other people's adventures in many ways. Uh, some of the stuff that maybe I'll never have the opportunity to do, maybe go do the AT. I'll get to follow along with you because my guess is you'll probably document quite a bit of it um, yeah. is seeing how people find that balance and I know with Frozen he ended up finding the, the guy from Outdoor Adventures I was talking about he ended up finding a you know a quote tramily uh, and I think what would happen is they would walk together for certain days and then one person would get ahead or maybe they'd take a zero day and inevitably they would all kind of move down the trail at around the same time and there was a lot of overlapping but then they'd kind of all move apart at, at different times and, 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 you know, kind of, uh, have their independence. So I think that can be really, you know, a, a lofty thing to find as well. Uh, do you think that in completing the AT, cause I'm really, you know, uh, I, I'm of the strong opinion that you'll you'll do the AT, and I think you're going to have a, a an easier time of it maybe than you did even the JMT. <laughs> um, but do you think that there will be a temptation after completing something like that to maybe go do one of the bigger ones, or do you think this will kind of scratch that itch and then maybe you'll move on to something after that? 
I don't know, really, because the AT has been the one I've grown up really admiring. That, to me, that's the trail I've wanted to do. The other ones are just, you know, they're cool. They're an option, but it really just depends how the experience goes. I do miss international travel now that that's more available. Um, it would be cool now that I have a YouTube um, channel that would be really interesting to take people along, go country hopping or something. But yeah, who knows? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Let's kind of, we'll kind of wind up on this, Maddie. And this has been an awesome conversation. I've gotten to know you uh, in, in such a deeper way than I did before. And just like our little messages back and forth and the likes and things like that on comments on posts. This has been really, really cool. Um, in thinking about kind of your YouTube channel, your, your TikTok account, kind of let's just think of it holistically, right? Your, your, your network, because mm -hmm. uh, that's kind of how I think about mine as well, um, is what do you hope to do with that? Or, or is it just like, hey, I'm having fun with it and it's growing and I want to keep doing that? Or like, what's your goal with, with all of that stuff? Great question. My big dream is to have a, a kind of a beer of the month club. Uh, where every month you get packages delivered to you with beers, but it'll be from the locations I'm going to coming up in the next couple of videos. So I'll be like, here I am at this place. I'm drinking this beer. And then people can, if they want to, they can drink along with me. And in the video, I might be like, hmm, this is happy. And they'll be like, oh my gosh, yeah, I taste that too. So... That is my big dream further down the road. I, like I was really hoping that I could find someone to do something sort of like that for the AT where it would just be one bulk package. People mm, would order yeah. and like, oh, that would be so cool. But having a little trouble getting the ball rolling on that and it might not work out and that's okay. Um, but that's my ultimate dream to build that type of business and just keep – the like even if there's a point where someday I'm just like eh, I don't really feel like filming myself every week just have like the spirit of going new places traveling on a budget and just exploring the world appreciating the small things getting through the hard things and having beer in beautiful places I love that approach. I think that's such a great dream to have. Uh, I happen to know a couple of people in the beer industry. So if there's introductions that I can make that would uh, spur that project forward, definitely, you know, we can talk about that offline and, and see if there's any interest there. Uh, I think that's such a clever idea. You know, I was mentioning earlier that I work for a nonprofit in the cybersecurity industry. And we talk to kids about why they might want to get jobs in cybersecurity. And uh, it's always difficult for me because I'm always like, go be a hiking guide, go be a surfing <laughs> instructor, like live outdoors. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, you know, one of the things that I've, I've talked to a lot of uh, technology companies about how they, you know, get in front of their customers and things like that, because that's kind of the more traditional side of my, my world. And one of the things that a lot of the businesses do is they'll do virtual happy hours where they'll send a bottle of wine to, you know, a prospective customer. And then they have the winemaker come and talk virtually to all of these folks about like, hey, this is how we grew the grapes. This is how we made the wine. This was the thought process behind it 
these are some of the notes you're going to get. And so I see a lot of the similarities in exactly what you're talking about. And I've heard so many people say it was such a fun experience to be able to sit there and drink the same thing that they're drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and even on the small side, I don't know how you'd make revenue out of this, but it might be interesting if you can't get the delivery, if you could find beers that are semi-widely available, even if they're from local producers that have you know distribution, even if you just put up a list somewhere and said, hey, go buy these beers if you can find them. Uh-huh. We'll be drinking this one, then this one, then like I'd go find like I'd go to my local beer places and say like, hey, do you have any of these? Can I source some of these from you and just keep them in my fridge for you? So, you know, something to think about for down the road if that's something that you want to do. I think that's a really worthy project. I think that's really cool. That would be awesome. Good idea. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. This this is my favorite part about the creator space is just hearing what other people are thinking about from their, you know, their projects. And I won't name this individual by name, but I've had uh, somebody else on the podcast that is, you know, also in the creator space. And one of the things that I really learned from them was, you know, they're really trying to to grow almost into like a TV type channel, right? And and to really, you know, get big. And the individual was like, you know, you really need to have a reel of what you're trying to do so that if you ever get in front of the person that has the power to make that a reality, you want to have your stuff ready. Like whether that's a one page PDF that says, here's the, you know, kind of format of what I want to do, or here's the three episodes that I think you'd want to look at when it comes to, you know, putting a TV show together or whatever, you should have that ready. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't have anything ready if, you know, some brand, a Patagonia or way, way smaller down the, the, the rung from them, you know, came and said, Hey, we want to give you some, some jackets or some shirts or things. I would have no idea what to do. Yeah. Um, so I'm always curious to hear from other creators. Um, let's kind of finish on this, Maddie. You, I know one of the, the brands that you've recently kind of promoted, uh, or at least that you did a little mini kind of partnership with, uh, was TM Poi, I want to say, or it was, I'm, I'm probably screwing up the name. How has that, uh, gear, how have that, how have those clothes worked out for you? Are you still using them and, and what, where did that come from? Yes, definitely. Um, the jacket I got from them, Nowadays, it's warmed up a little bit, but especially when we had that cold snap around Christmas, I wore that every single day. Uh, And it's really warm, too. The snow pants and the sun hoodie, I haven't had as much of an opportunity to wear, but yes, I love them so much. I'm really glad that happened. They just reached out to me over email, and I was like, yeah, sounds good. I always love when people let me pick out the products and the colors I want. That's so much fun. And I just, yeah, I love them. It's good stuff. I was lucky they reached out to me. That's really cool. I love seeing how that stuff comes together from, you know, the early stages. And, you know, I, I always tell people like, look, I've, I've only gotten paid to do one thing. And it was uh, one of the videos I got paid $250 to show up at the place. And that covered basically my gas and my food for the weekend's camping trip. And other than that, like I didn't put any money in my pocket. I just didn't have to spend any money to be there. And it was totally worth it. Like absolutely worth it all day long. Great experience. So I, I love all those little tiny relationships and all that kind of stuff. You never know where it can go. And it's a great experience along the way. Uh, Maddie, before we get off here, uh, is there anything that you want to draw attention to? What is the you know way that people 
people can find you on YouTube, on Instagram, TikTok, all that stuff. And, and you know, this is kind of your time to tell people what you want them to go pay attention to. Well, it's just Beer in Beautiful Places on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook, and also Untapped and Pinterest, but I don't, I don't get on those as much. And if I could ask, when is this podcast going to air? Uh, anytime that, you know, there's, there's no particular schedule as of right now, so I can put it out tomorrow or I can put it out in three weeks. You tell me what works for you. Okay, perfect. Well, if you can put it out a little bit further away, I'm actually planning a trip to Alaska and Canada coming up. And I'm so excited because this is the first time I'll be, you know, going international since I've developed my channel. And I'm just so excited. It's going to be so much wintery fun. It's going to be great. Yeah. but I figured I can't fill three months of getting ready for the AT. So, um, you know, I'm really excited to explore more. Yeah, absolutely. So when would when would it be a good idea for this to come out for you? Um, that video, the first video, it, well, I'm going to announce it on a video coming out on January 18th and the first video from that series will come out January 25th. Okay. So after the, after January 5th, I'm sorry, January 18th would be best for me. Perfect. No problem. No and problem. Then, and you and I can just stay in contact and you just let me know. I'll kind of get it ready and put it in the can and then you just tell me and I'll push the button. Well, thank you so much. I also no want to mention my um, Appalachian Trail series is going to be weekly on YouTube every Wednesday evening. I'm thinking about a week's worth of stuff that's happened to me. I'll condense into a video and that'll come out every Wednesday. And I'm going to try to do the same thing as JMT slash Newman Poyo, where it'll be um, every day I'll have a short, vertically filmed um, TikTok, Instagram reel, YouTube short, whatever you want to call it, but like day, blah, blah, blah. This is what's going on. So I'm really looking forward to that. That was a really fun way because all the short form content I've made so far really hasn't been taking off besides that series and my like morning routine, evening routine videos. So that was really fun. That that was going good. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, it's absolutely. I mean, you know, that's what I love about social media is like it takes one post and you never know which one it's going to be, right? You just have to put your authentic version of yourself out there. You've got to basically document what you're doing and try to help people, whether it be educating them on something you're doing, inspiring them something to do. You know, I, I'm, I'm aware that some people are just going to be sitting in their living rooms. They never want to go do this hike themselves. They never want to go fly fishing themselves. They just want to be entertained. And that's totally cool too, right? So I'm always looking for like the balance of, I want to entertain people. I want to educate people. I want to inspire people, you know, and ultimately I want to try and build a community of other like-minded people that want to do that, that stuff. But I have no idea which one or if any of it is going to go right. And some Mm -hmm. of the things that I had no idea were going to go took off. And, you know, what I always tell my friends that are creators, I had a video on cooking food while backpacking on my YouTube channel. It did did nothing, zero views for the longest time. It just limped along, limped along. And then out of nowhere, I didn't put up any posts. I didn't reference it in anything. It just took off. 
in my my oh. metrics, right? For me. Mm-hmm. And, and now it's like my second most viewed video. And it continues to just like eat away and get views and get views. And you just never know when that's going to happen. So all you can do is just keep putting stuff out and hope that somewhere along the line, it gets sucked into the algorithm and gets you a bunch of attention Mm -hmm. and then draws attention to all the other quality stuff that you've been putting up along the way. So, you know, I just keep that in mind all the time is you never know what's going to go. And it could be, you know, I've got a a short on YouTube that's got 2,300 views and it's a peanut butter banana sandwich. Like (laughs) I don't say anything in it. I don't talk about it. It's literally just like a little panning shot of a sandwich Mm -hmm. and it got a ton of views. So you just never know. So. Yeah. Well, Maddie, I'll tell you what, you are the best. This has been a super fun conversation. I really enjoyed getting to know you. I'm really looking forward to the Appalachian Trail series along with all the other content you're putting on. And hopefully when you are completing the Appalachian Trail, we can have you back on and talk Um, about the entire experience and promote that whole series because I would love to hear back from you on how that went. I would love that too. And that'd be so fun to compare and contrast. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be like that Maddie before the trail. She did not know what she was getting into. (laughs) You'll be so wise by the time you get back. It'll be just a fantastic conversation. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. This was a ton of fun. I'm going to go ahead and end the recording. I'll be right back.